Hey everyone, this is Jim, and welcome to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. Today I'm reading from uh, the book of James, starting in chapter 1. This is the New King James Version. I'll be reading it instead of the Old King James because it's easier for some people to understand. Um, And then we'll go on a little bit further. So James chapter 1, it says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, I'm just going to stop right there and mention something. The book of James, some people, when they read the Bible, they think, well, the, this is you're taking scriptures out of context. This uh, statement that so-and-so made or that Jesus made, it only applied to the Jews, or it only applied to the people who were um, listening at the time. So if you use that kind of thinking throughout the whole Bible, I mean, then there's basically nothing that's talking to us today. Everything was talking to people who have long come and gone from the scene. So originally this was written to the 12 tribes, were written to uh, Jewish believers scattered abroad. So if we took that kind of thinking and applied it here, well, then this whole book really doesn't apply to us because we're not the original 12 tribes. But no, every part of the Bible, it says that all Scripture has been given for instruction and reproof and correction. So regardless of what the Scripture is, there's something in it for all peoples of all times. So when it says, count it all joy when you fall into various temptations, the only way you can do that is if you know that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance. Then verse 4 says, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing. So the idea there is if you fall into a trial or a test in your life, now what could come under the category of trials and tests? Well, anytime anything goes wrong, you can consider it a trial or a test, right? So, I mean, you look at the different things that happened to people throughout the Bible. Uh, some, some of them were persecuted. You can consider that a test or a trial. Some of them suffered from physical illnesses. Again, you can consider that a test or a trial. Um, Some of them were uh, under attack, physical attack, by other nations coming in trying to conquer them. Again, if that's not a test or a trial, I don't know what is. So from very little things like... um, Um, let's say going back into the um, book of Genesis. Well, actually, a lot of those things weren't little, were they? Well, going back to Noah, look at the test that he had in his time. It was, there was evil all around him. Matter of fact, there was so much evil that basically only um, a handful of people out of that entire old world were saved in the ark. Or if you look at somebody like um, Moses and David, you look at all the tests and the trials that they went through. And all the way up here into the New Testament where you consider um, the woman from the Gospel of Mark who had an issue of blood, or the lepers or the blind men, I mean, those were people that went through physical tests and trials of infirmity. So... When it says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, I mean, that covers basically whenever something goes wrong, your faith gets put to the test.
know, a lot of people will question, well, why did God let this happen to me? Well, the thing is that we're living in a fallen world and things go wrong all the time. So unless you just arrived here yesterday, you shouldn't be surprised when things go wrong because you have an entire lifetime of experience of things going wrong, sometimes little things and sometimes big things. But when things go wrong and you have faith in God, your response is to pray, call on the name of Jesus, call on the name of the Lord, and trust God for whatever it is that you need to be delivered from, whether it's a physical situation, um, a trial or a test that you're going through of uh, physical infirmity or sickness, financial uh, tests or trials. I mean, just look through the Bible and you can see that people go through one test and one trial after another. But it says that you can be patient if you know that the um, testing of your faith can have its perfect or complete work, and you'll be whole and entire, lacking nothing. Actually, that's the way it says it in the King James Version. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. I've told this story before, I'll tell it again, but when I was first learning about this back in 1986, I wanted to learn what the prayer of faith was, how to pray in faith. So I took something small, like warts that were growing on my thumb for a few years. They started probably back around 1984 and uh, or 85 and uh, I prayed according to Mark 11:24 and then I had patience I had to persevere in faith believing that God had heard and answered my prayer for about 3 months then finally in October, I remember it was because it was just a few days before my birthday one morning I woke up and they were there the night before and that next morning, they were gone. In recent time, um, I had some kind of growth on the top of my head. It looked like skin cancer, or that was possibly going to become skin cancer. It was about the size of a quarter on my scalp. And again, I used a very simple verse, uh, Mark eleven twenty four, which says, What thing soever you desire... When you pray, believe you receive it, and you'll have it. And I use that particular scripture verse in connection with other scripture verses. Like, I believe it's Hebrews 11.5 that says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So even though he's not physically here on the earth, he's still a healer. God still heals. And there's not one person in the Bible who ever came to Jesus and asked him for healing that he ever turned down. Matter of fact, no one except for one person even questioned that it was God's will for them to be healed. So that just goes to show you how they thought back in that time. And that goes along with Old Testament scripture verses like Psalm 103, 3, which says, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. diseases. And um, Exodus uh, the 15th chapter where the Lord says, I, I believe it's in the third verse, that I am the Lord that healeth thee. You know, there's a lot of people today that say, well, they're just talking about spiritual healing. But if you go online and you look up healing testimonies, you'll see people from around the world that took God at his word, like Second Peter 2.24, which says, by his stripes who are healed. 
and chose to believe that healing is part of the atonement because that's what the Bible says. Now, some people say, no, it doesn't say that, and they'll argue about it. But let me tell you what goes beyond all argument. When you pray and you take a specific verse of Scripture and you apply that promise from that Scripture to your situation, and then you get an answer, a specific answer to that prayer based upon that Scripture, then you have that with you for the rest of your life. So when I woke up, uh, way back when, one morning back in 1986, and those warts disappeared from my thumb, I knew that God's Word really did work. It worked in the little things, and I would have the rest of my life to apply it in different tests and trials that I ultimately would want go through. But I had, like I said, this trial with this growth on my head, and there were a few people that said, you know, you really need to get that looked at, and you really need to keep an eye on that. And so uh, I remember going into the shower and thinking to myself, I've either got to pray and trust God with all my heart and all my soul, or I've got to go to the doctor. I can't do one or the other. Well, let's keep on reading. Let me pick it back up, and then I'll, I'll go on a little bit further. Let me pick, pick this up in the fifth verse. It says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all, not some, but all, liberally, and without reproach, and it will, not mine, it will be given him. But, now here's the but, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." So I decided I was going to take God at his word. Now, I would love to tell you that from 1986 to 2015, I have never doubted. But I'd be lying if I told you that. There were situations that I was in that after a while, I didn't let patience have its perfect work. Uh, The 12th verse, by the way, let me read that quickly. It says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved, He will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those that love him. So we endure uh, doubt and fear and all those things that come against. We endure receiving those on the inside. We, We resist them in faith. We fight the good fight of faith. But sometimes, unfortunately, people get to the point where they decide they can't go any further. And... You know, basically in your mind, your mind starts telling you God's moving too slow. If you don't get outside assistance or help, then um, your situation may be critical. But understand this, that even with outside help and assistance, there will be situations that you face in your life potentially that no one is going to be able to help you. And that medical science won't be able to help you. And so I suggest you learn to get to the point where you make a commitment in your heart, either the Bible's true or not. I mean, let's face it, the last thing you need is more religion, more books, more meetings. What you really need is to know God for yourself. Once that happens, it goes beyond all of the intellectual stuff that's become commonplace in the church, in the especially here in the West in these days. Everything is more like um, how-to teaching and 
the psychological part of Christianity. And when, once you start breaking that those things down, I mean, even the Apostle Paul said that my preaching and teaching wasn't with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in the power and the demonstration of the Spirit of God that your faith shouldn't stand or rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So today, uh, more people have faith in the wisdom of men than they do in the power of God. So back to my story, I, I made a commitment that I was going to pray and believe I had received according to Mark eleven twenty four, according to Matthew twenty one twenty one, according to um, um, Psalm one o three three, according to Exodus fifteen twenty six. That was actually that was I think I said fifteen three earlier. It's fifteen twenty six where God makes a statement, "I am the Lord that healeth thee." I made a commitment to believe I had received. Now see the difference between believing that you've received and believing that you're going to receive is like night and day. But that's a different subject for a different day. So I made a commitment no matter how bad it got. Well, over the course of several days, uh, a few times I was tempted to check to see if my head was okay, but I really or what was happening up there, or I couldn't really see it in the mirror. I mean, it was on one of those tough-to-see places that, if you know, I, I would need two mirrors, and I'd have to bend over and and kind of, like, bend my head on a strange angle to see it. But I could always reach up there and feel it. But I made a commitment that I wasn't going to do that. I'm either going to trust God or I'm not going to trust God. And so I made the commitment to believe and I even told the Lord, I was honest about it. I said, you know what? I'm not going to test this. I'm not going to play around with it anymore. I'm not going to bother you about it. If it comes back into my thinking or thoughts of fear come, I'm just going to stop and just thank you for it. So anytime it came back to my mind, I would just thank the Lord for it. So to make a long story short, approximately a week to a week and a half later, um, some... <laughs> One of the uh, members of my family asked if they could check and see what it looked like. And, uh, well, the, actually, the first thing they did they was they asked me, like, what condition was it in? It had gotten any better. It was the same size as small. I said, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I haven't even checked. And so th immediately they came over and checked. And they started, like, putting their fingers through my hair and pushing the hair to the side and this and that. And about five minutes later, they just stopped and looked at me and they said, it's gone. It's totally gone. So the growth, which was probably about the size of a quarter and probably maybe about an eighth of an inch in height off the top of my head, disappeared just like the warts had all those years ago. And I can go into story after story after story um, where this works for anybody who's willing to believe, any believer that is, any true Christian and I can also tell you stories where I tried making this a formula and intellectualized this entire process, and it didn't work. So here's what it comes down to. You know, you don't control the power of God um, like, um, I'm trying to think of a good way to put it. Um, prayer isn't like baking a cake where first you add this ingredient and next you add the next ingredient, and then finally you add a few more ingredients, and then you put the whole thing in the oven, and you take it out 30 minutes later. Prayer doesn't work like that. Even though there's principles that we can look at, like using the name of Jesus, like praying according to what God has already promised, like thanking God for the answer before we get it, 
um, your heart has to be in this entire process. In other words, you have to connect with God from your heart, meaning that you're praying with 100% sincerity, you confess your sins and any other garbage that may be in your life, and you look to God from the very depths of your being. Now, the difference is when you look at the how-to aspects of back to making a cake again, um, you don't really have to focus that much if you've made cakes before. I mean, you could be listening to uh, music and baking a cake, or you could be watching the television while you're mixing everything up. So your heart and your attention can be in one place, and then you can go through all the motions, and all things being equal, you'll be able to produce what you're after. You know, you'll be able to create a cake. But when it comes to prayer, it's not like you're going to be able to um, watch, you know, TV while you're praying and then ask God uh, with part of your attention on God and part of your attention on what's happening on the TV show and then expect to receive miraculous results. You have to take the time to shut everything out and to approach God and, and... I literally approached it like life. it was a life-or-death situation because I didn't know what that was growing on my head, and I didn't know what would happen if it kept on growing. I didn't know if it had roots. I didn't know if it could spread. I didn't know any of those things. So I had to just rely on the Lord like a small child relies on a parent to help them in their time of need. Isn't that true? I mean, you think about if you were uh, just a child and something was wrong with you, you you can't drive, so you, it's not like you jump in the car and go anywhere. You don't have money, so you have to rely on people to buy the medicine that you need or to take you to the doctor or to feed you, all those things. And Jesus said in the New Testament that unless you become as children, you won't see the kingdom of God. So whatever trial or whatever test you're in today— I would just encourage you to come to the conclusion, are you going to trust God or are you going to trust your efforts? Are you going to put your faith in God? Are you going to put some faith in God and some faith in the people you know and some faith in the money you have reserved and some faith in your education and some faith in your ability to convince people? Now, what you have to do is the only thing you can really put your faith in is God because people will fail. They won't, they don't mean to sometimes, uh, but sometimes people, for reasons that are beyond them, just can't produce results for you this time. Um, yesterday, I saw the people taking the refrigerator and the stove out of my neighbor's house. They lost their house to foreclosure. And they were in a situation that a lot of people are in today where their house, their home is in jeopardy. So maybe you have a lawyer or maybe you have people that understand the process and that are helping you. And as great as that is, you can't put your faith in them. Maybe you're putting your faith in your job or in a raise you're supposed to get. It's almost as though that if you put your take your faith, which was always meant to be focused on God, and you redirect that faith into something like a job or a raise or or an attorney or a doctor or, or anything like that, um, you're just opening the door for more evil forces to come in and start playing with your life and start uh, pushing you backwards and, and just wreaking havoc in your circumstances. So um, the word repent means change 
your way of thinking. So change your way of thinking. There's only one person that you can really put 100% unwavering faith in, and that's God. And like it says here in verse 6, let him ask in faith with no doubting, right? I mean, who else in existence can you have faith in with zero doubts? Only somebody who is almighty and has all ability and all knowledge and can be everywhere at the same time, and that's God. So we trust God through Jesus, trust God in Jesus' name, and we do not doubt. And we keep on keeping on. Luke 18.1, Jesus said, Men are always to pray and not faint. That means not give up, not give in. Same basic principles here. And if you keep on persevering, then you will fulfill the 12th verse, which says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation or testing, for when he has been approved, he will receive. And then after that, you can put the crown of life or whatever it else that you had that God has promised you. So that's it for now. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. God bless.